You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 606 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on this fine Thursday night in the month of July. There's nothing happening in the world, and when nothing's happening in the world, I turn to one person and one person only. Jeff Siegel's here. What's up, man? Doing well. How are you? I'm all right. We do have a, we do have an actual topic on today's podcast. I was thinking about writing something about this, and instead I'm taking the lazy way out, and we're going to talk about it in podcast form, but uh, basically... This entire podcast, as you're probably aware by now, if you're listening to the listening to this, if you saw the title of the podcast, is going to be about free agency and kind of looking at the guys who are still available. Um, spoiler alert: it's a pretty ugly list from the Hawks' perspective, but there are some guys who are NBA players that are around. Um, and just to set the stage a little bit here, the Hawks have two roster spots open after cutting Jalen Adams last week. They also have a two-way spot open, so they have two two full-time roster spots and a two-way um, available. I do think that the Hawks could carry an open roster spot into the season. That would not surprise me or really anyone based on the fact that they have this cap space. Maybe they want to open that up to have some flexibility. But at the very least, I'm expecting at least one more signing along the way, which means I get questions every single day about who they're going to sign. So let's just run through a bunch of names here. Basically, the objective of the podcast. Um, to set the stage, though, I wanted to ask you, since you're the uh, you're the salary cap expert, the Hawks have $6.9 million in space and room exception if they wanted to use it. It probably doesn't matter for signing purposes because they're just not. there's nobody on this list that I think that they would actually give real money to. But um, there are still ways the Hawks could use their cap space beyond signing players. We don't have to go into all of them. But is there anything that you've like even thought about that could be a way um, – before the season starts, that the Hawks might need their cap space, or is that all basically, if they get in the middle of the season, they want to facilitate a trade or do something like that, would that be the best use of their actual cap space that they have? I mean, I, I think you could look at some of their larger salary players, the Chandler Parsons, Evan Turner, Alan Crabb trio at the top of the roster, and see that they could use those guys plus their cap space to take somebody you know off of another team's hands that, that makes a lot of a, a lot more money than than those guys. You know, but with just seven million in, in space, it would have to, you know, it would be like Alan Crabb for somebody making twenty-five million over multiple seasons. It doesn't really seem like that deal is is out there for them at this point. They don't really have some of the the lower salary. Doesn't make a ton of sense. Like you could you could sort of squint and think that they might be able to trade like DeAndre Bembry for somebody who makes you know nine million and and a team doesn't want. But at this point, that's just not really something that. Uh, that seems to be out there. You know, you can see the same with Damian Jones, but again, like where is that trade coming from that it hasn't all, you know, that hasn't already happened for a team that wants that flexibility. So, you know, you, you might see a, a trade like that during the year for a team looking to, to duck the tax and, and they'll give an asset to, to Atlanta to get that done. But it's not, uh, it's not super clear what, how they would use that, that cap space in the, uh, in the trade market right now. Yeah, and that basically renders the room exception virtually useless because they have to use, you know, there'd be no reason to use that um, at this point in time. So they have the space. Um, most of the guys, if not all of the guys on this list that we're about to go through are minimum players or maybe slightly above that if you want to get frisky. Um, but for the most part, all of the guys who you want to pay real money to um, as a team in the Hawks position are off the market. And uh, that sort of sets the stage for this. Also, 
in the last couple of days, a bunch of guys that you know people have always asked me about or that I've talked about or that we've talked about collectively on the podcast or other forums have signed. Some guys that would have made sense for the Hawks, uh, Chuck Diallo signed a contract. Um, Christian Wood was claimed by Detroit, and I know both you and I talked about how the Hawks should, could, should at least consider claiming him. They obviously did not because Detroit was behind them in the pecking order, and they got, and they got him. Uh, Shaq Harrison is off the market now, and also Dragon Bender um, went and signed overseas. None of those guys are like incredibly sexy, but they're all young, and that kind of makes them more appealing for the Hawks and other teams. But those guys are off the market now, and that makes our list a little bit shorter. Um, first things first, I'm of the mind that the most important thing for the Hawks to do right now is to sign a point guard. I've been saying that for a while now. I'm, not, I'm a broken record on it. But, I mean, do you agree with that, number one? I'm, I'm, there is an interesting list of point guards. Uh, I use the term interesting um, probably liberally here. But um, that's my thing. That's the one thing that I would absolutely do if I was the Hawks between now and training camp is to sign a point guard either to a full contract or a two-way contract. And that's everything else is kind of, you know, gravy and get the best value, get the best player that you can. But that's my only priority. Do you agree with that? Or is that situation where I'm overstating a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think the the point guard position is definitely the biggest one of need. It's not necessarily like a full-blown disaster, you know, at this point, particularly because there are so many guys available. And if, you know, if there, it becomes a need throughout the season, whether, you know, if Trey Young gets hurt, if Evan Turner gets hurt and they need to sign somebody on an emergency basis, they can always do that. Uh, these guys, a lot of these guys are going to be available going into the year, you know, especially some of the veterans who are not going to go to the G League or are not going to sign two-way contracts because they're, like, legally not allowed to. Some of the older guys, you know, if you have more than three years, you can't sign a, a two-way. So there's that part of it. You know, I think they're they would probably rather bring somebody in earlier than that, just so that that guy can get used to the system. That guy can sort of, uh, especially as a, as a point guard, you would like that guy to to get used to the offense a little bit earlier. Plus the fact that they have 13 guys, they're going to have to sign a 14th guy at, at some point, you know, within two weeks of the start of the year anyway. So you might as well sort of start looking in this direction and start figuring out which of these sort of minimum point guards makes the most sense for, for what they're building and what they want out of that, you know, third point guard spot right now. But, you know, I think that's where the, the point guard is, if they're going to go with a 14th guy sooner rather than later, though, the point guard position makes the most sense. Yeah. And just the, the team need aspect of this thing is basically where it comes down for me. Like, I, I totally understand what they're going to try to do with Evan Turner. I've said it a number of times. Like he's clearly the backup point guard on this roster right now, and we'll see how long they want to stick with that or how it works. And you know, I think it can work, and because it, it makes them very multiple defensively, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think I'm on record as saying they need another option, and uh, I will stick to that for now. Um, so with that said, let's go through, go, go through some players. Uh, let's focus on the point guards first. Um, I've just made basically a smattering list. By the way, if we include a player on this list, this does not mean that I am advocating for them because I'm just basically going to list almost everyone that I can think of that's still a free agent that's available. Um, so here's a couple of uh, guys that I think are interesting, followed by some veterans and then some two-way options. I think um, of guys who I think could be realistic, you know, full roster options, I would say Trey Burke, Chase and Randall, and Frank Mason would make my list of guys who are, you know, semi-young uh, and or pretty established, you know, kind of third-point guard types. Then you have the aging veterans, um, who, all, by the way, who happen to all be former Hawks, Shelvin Mack, Jose Calderon, and Devin Harris. That made me laugh when I realized they were all, that they were all former Hawks. 
and then a bunch of two-way guys, uh, Walt Lemon, Isaiah Briscoe, Jawan Evans, former first-round pick, Demetrius Jackson, former Boston Celtics, um, backup, and then uh, also Jeremy Lin's still available. I can't imagine he'd want to come back to Atlanta, and I'm not, I'm not really sure why he's still unsigned unless he's going to plan on going overseas somewhere, um, but he's also available and clearly better than um, – all these guys, I think, um, maybe Trey Burke, you can, t- you can talk me into, um, but you know, Jeremy Lin's sort of the X factor. I'm, I can't imagine that, that gonna, that's going to happen, but he's still available. So I wanted to point him out there. Anybody, jump, anybody jump off the screen to you as an interesting option. I've been pounding my chest for Trey Burke. Of course, I'm being accused of, uh, being a homer because of the obvious connection with Trey Burke, but I think he is pretty clearly better than everybody else on this list. Other than Jeremy Lin, uh, I could be wrong about that though. Maybe you are lower. I'm sure you are lower on him than I am. Cause it's, cause that's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, I'm lower on him than you are, but he's still probably the best option of this list that's not named Jeremy Lin. Like, Lin is clearly the best player on this list, but there's also the the sort of understanding that Lin might not want to come back to Atlanta if he wasn't, you know, if he wasn't interested as much in, in filling out yeah, last season as the as the backup point guard, then how interested would he be in coming back and being the third point guard, you know, behind a, a guy like Evan Turner, if he, you know, if they're still actually serious about that, like in, you know, in private meetings, are they as serious about it as, you know, they seem to be publicly, um, you know, who knows whether that, whether Lynn knows more about that than we do on the outside. But if he's, you know, obviously it worked out for, for Lynn to, to get bought out and go win a championship with, uh, with the Toronto Raptors. So, you know, he, he made the, certainly made the right decision on, on that front, but you know, if Lynn was interested in coming back, I think they would probably want to to bring him in just because, you know, he already knows the system. He already knows the guys. He knows the locker room. He knows the coaching staff. Just everything sort of would fit, you know, relatively nicely with him coming right back into the fold. You know, they would be probably happy to have a little bit of Evan Turner insurance at the, at the backup point guard spot. So, you know, if they're, if he's willing to come back, that's where I would go with with their with their third point guard spot, even if it cost them more than the, the than the minimum, and they were going to go with some cap space to to make that happen, if he wanted, you know, whatever four million dollars, like the cap space just is so just does does just does not matter for them right now, and so I think that the you know spending that extra bit of money to get the best third point guard on the market would make sense for me, but then again, like they might have some some ideas of of various trades that they're going to be able to make during the year where a minimum point guard would make more sense. Um, then again, I mean, a minimum point guard right now would take out of some of that cap space. So if you sign a one-year minimum, that's going to be almost $2 million in cap space that goes down the drain. You can't use you can't use an exception like the minimum exception or the room exception to sign somebody when you already have cap space. Like that's only for teams that are already either at or above the cap anyway. So no matter what they do, it's going to come out of their cap space. So if it's, you know, $1.6 million for Trey Burke or $4 million for Jeremy Lin, like I, I think I'd rather just go $4 million for, for Lin because you know how he's going to fit and you know how, you know, you, you would expect that he would have some trade value at that, at that number later on in the year as well. So, you know, that's where I would go with things. You know, the rest of these guys are fine. Minimum stop gaps just as, you know, one or two year little things just to, to, you know, just to fill the spot, really. But, you know, I think Lynn and Burke are the are the clear favorites there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's some inside info that we just don't have on Jeremy Lynn. Uh, a, why he's available. B, whether he want to come back to Atlanta, etc. But, yeah, he's the best player on this list. And if you can get him, get him. Uh, other than that, I think Burke is a lot more realistic. He might want to play but at this point in time as you get into late july most of these guys on this on on all these lists are just going to want to sign and get some money um and get guaranteed income um i think burke 
as a third point guard. Like, I, you know, I would hope he'd be fine not playing, but I think he's better than Randall. I think he's better than Frank Mason. I've, I've always kind of liked Frank Mason. He's pretty small, um, but that's someone... I, I would be okay if they signed any of Burke, Randall, and Mason to a full NBA contract. Um, I wouldn't throw a party unless it was for Burke, because that's just my personal interest. But um, for Randall and Mason, they're both just fine NBA third-point guards, and that's what you're looking at there. The veterans, you know... None of these guys are very are very sexy at all. I think Devin Harris is probably the best player of the three when he's healthy, but he's not always healthy. Uh, Shelvin's been kind of bad recently. And then uh, Jose Calderon is the oldest of the three. Um, the best shooter, if you want shooting, um, and his steady hand, but he has his issues that he's had before. And, you know, none of those guys are jumping off the page to me. I'd almost be more interested in the two-way guys. Like, the Hawks have done this now the last couple of seasons. They've gone into the year with two point guards on the roster and a two-way point guard. It was Josh Majette, and then it was Jalen Adams. Um, if they did that, I mean, Walt Lemon is something that we always talk about, you and I always talk about, but he'd be really good in that role. Um, and I still like Jawan Evans. Uh, Isaiah Briscoe is really weird in that he's not really a point guard, but he defends point guards. Like, he's a big, bulky, bulky physical. Like, he's definitely an NBA defender. Offensively, doesn't really add anything to the mix. But if the Hawks wanted to stick with their plan of being, you know, maybe switchy and big and physical defensively, he could make sense as that, like, third guy. He was in Orlando the last couple of years and was okay-ish. I don't know. None of these guys are great. It's just one of those things where we're trying to acknowledge all the, all the possibilities, and I think one of the point guards needs to be signed. By the way, as a, as a disclaimer, I don't watch that much G League basketball, and there might be a guy or two that I just haven't seen that could be popping up that I'm not listing here, but um, I try to find at least the best guys that I know of, like Walt Lemons, a sort of a G League legend, um, him being available, and guys that I scouted during the draft process, but there might be a guy or two that falls through the cracks, just as an FYI for everybody. One other like free agent full NBA point guard that I think would be somewhat interesting that we haven't that isn't on this list and that I literally just thought of is Jerry and Grant uh, oh, from yeah. Orlando. You you mentioned Briscoe in Orlando, and I was He's like, oh, they heard, they've got another they've got another point guard in there that uh, that I know that like Chris Barnawal was interested in in them resigning and is unhappy oh, that Barnwell. they didn't. So you know, I you know he he's fine. Like he would be in. In that same you know tier with like Burke and Randall and Mason as sort of a yep. young-ish point guard who can uh, who can do some stuff and might you know might be an interesting third point guard option. Yeah, and he's kind of you know he's a little bit bigger, um, offensively has some talent. He's been a decent shooter at times. Shot thirty six percent from three last season. He's twenty six. Yeah, he's definitely he fits in that and on that same tier with the guys we're talking about. Again, none of these guys are very sexy, but I'm of the mind of a point guard should be signed at some point and. Uh, Here's, you know, 10 options if you want the Hawks to sign a point guard in the very near future. All right, we're going to come back in a second, talk more about, you know, bigs and guys who could be returning and everybody else. But um, here's a short break to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back in a few minutes with more from Jeff Siegel. All right, Jeff, we're back. Um, dealer's choice here. Do you want to go to the bigs, or do you want to go to the wings and forwards? Uh, let's go with bigs just because that's a little bit more of a, of a, of a need as much as they have a need really at those, at that spot, you know, they do have some minutes I think available at, at sort of a, you know, fifth bit, fourth, big, fifth, big kind of, kind of level, whereas they really don't have a ton of, of minutes to, to, to hand to a, a winger forward. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Honestly, I don't think they have, you know, it kind of depends on what you think of Damian Jones. If you think Damian Jones is a real third center, like if he's healthy, he could certainly fill that role. If you like Damian Jones, then there really aren't any minutes to give away. But if you don't like Damian Jones, there might be some minutes behind that, especially if you're going to play Collins at the center spot a little bit. Maybe you need another four, et cetera. Chandler Parsons is not the most healthy guy in the world. 
et cetera, et cetera. But um, here are the names. Um, a lot of these guys are veterans that you may not have much interest in, but they're out there, um, at least on my list that I've made. Uh, John Lura is available. Ryan Anderson, who is overqualified, I think, for this list, but he is available. Uh, Jonas Jerebko, who's been playing playoff minutes in the recent past. Uh, Costa Kufas, Greg Monroe, and Nene, who inexplicably opted out of, like, what, almost $4 million in Houston? Is that right? Something yeah, like $3.82 million or I, something I like that. I don't know what happened and there. And he just decided not to, to take that money. Like, he could have even opted in and retired and still gotten that money. So I don't understand, like, what's... What's the point of of what he did? Like, he's it, not going to get was, four million dollars. There's almost no way. I can't imagine. No, that, that he's going to like even the minimum is only like two and a half. You know, for a, for a guy with as much money as he's got, so or as many years of experience as he's got. So it's it was very weird. You know, if we see him popped up as like the Rockets ambassador to Brazil, like don't be surprised <laughs> if he's got a four million dollar salary in that role. Because like, why else would he have opted out of? Otherwise, you know, yeah, I don't really get it. He maybe maybe he's on the Dirk Mark Cuban plan. I don't know. Yeah, that's, um, but, that's what you would sort of expect almost, but like I have no idea why he just you know, decided to give that money up. Yeah, um, so there, there are six guys who are bigs, who are veterans, who probably will not want to sign in Atlanta to not play, as we were talking about a second ago. Like may, A couple of these guys are obviously better than Damian Jones. Ryan Anderson particularly is a lot better than Damian Jones. But um, I think just the playing time and the uncertainty, I can't imagine Atlanta would be their first choice. It'd be a situation where maybe if one of these guys tries to just trying to find a contract and maybe Atlanta offers it. Uh, other than that, not too much there. Oh, the other guy that I, I should at least mention, uh, if only to laugh, is Dwight Howard's available. Yep, he uh, would not be on the list uh, for any reason whatsoever. Like, I would rather play Damian Jones, even if Damian Jones is hurt, than, than sign Dwight Howard. So there's that. But yes, technically, Dwight Howard is going to be a free agent. He's not yet a free agent, as, mar- as far as I know. But he has uh, he is technically uh, going to be a free agent relatively soon, as soon as he's cut from Memphis. Yeah, um, I will not say anything else. Dwight Dwight's available. I would not sign Dwight. Um, okay, that's the veteran tier. Then a couple of young guys, not as many young guys at, um, that are available because of the guys that we were interested in, honestly, like Diallo, like Wood, like Bender-ish, uh, are now off the market. Uh, you're getting down a little bit lower tiers now. Marquise Chris is the most famous player available, former lottery pick um, who was really bad in a couple of stops but is still very young. Um, Gershon Yabusele, another former first-round pick from Boston who was cut. And uh, Ray Spalding, who's a lot less famous but might be better than both those guys. Um those guys are available. They're all reasonably young. And then if you go down, go down one more, one more peg on the ladder to like the two way contract guys, uh, EK and Bogu, a former projected first round pick that had a bunch of injury stuff in Indiana, dating back to UCLA, uh, is available. I'm not sure what his health status is. That's probably why he didn't latch on much in Indiana. Um, but that's a, that's a name. He's still pretty young and Angel Delgado who's a little bit older. Um, definitely more productive G league kind of guy, but I think he's like 24, 25 and isn't, isn't great, but someone if you just wanted to eat up some minutes might not kill you. Um, anybody jump off the jump off this list to you? I think Chris is the guy I've been asked about most, just because I think he's just young. The same thing with with Bender. I got a lot of questions about Bender just because he's still young. Chris is again been really bad most places, and he does not does not have the greatest reputation in the world. But if you're looking just for the combination of age and raw physical talent, he'd be the top guy on the list, I guess. Yeah, I mean he'd have to be, but the the entire like dribble pass shoot ethos that that schlenk has sort of pushed over the last you know two years since he got the job like uh, chris can't do any of that um he's never made a pass in his life he's got a basketball iq of a of you know a pebble on on the beach like he's really 
very, very, very raw and, you know, has a bunch of athletic talent, but doesn't really have the basketball IQ to go with it. And, and we, I think we've seen something, if we've learned anything from the last, you know, handful of years uh, in the NBA is that basketball IQ, basketball intelligence is something that is consistently undervalued by, by just the general public. And is something that is, is incredibly important to, to winning. And so, you know, I don't think that Chris is, is a winning player from that, you know, that point of view. Um, of the of the sort of younger names that that you mentioned, I think Ray Spalding jumps out as somebody who's at least you know more interesting to me than any of the other guys, uh, any of the other young guys on that list. Um, you know, another guy who is a little bit older who went overseas is Epe Udo. I would have been interested in them bringing you know Atlanta bringing uh, bringing him in just to just to see what he's gotten to to be a veteran presence. I think he's you know somebody who has a lot of that basketball intelligence that uh, would be interesting to just have a lot around the locker room. Seems like a good guy, but he's uh, he signed overseas as well. So you know I think uh, you know Ray Spalding is is pretty interesting. He's still young at like 23, I want to say. Uh, you know Chris is just if you wanted to swing for the fences with a guy with uh, you know the athleticism that he's got uh, and. And the rest of those guys are sort of just kind of interchangeable. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I'm looking at the guy at the, at the young guys, I think Damian Jones is a better prospect than all of them, which isn't saying that much, um, but that's just the reality. Um, and it wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't mind like buying super low on John Luer or something like that. Like he's a guy who just got he was really overpaid and got out of the shuffle as a result of that, but still kind of a skilled guy might fit in what Atlanta wants to do, but. Yeah, no, nobody's going to really inspire me off this list. Ray Spalding would probably be my favorite if you had to make me choose one guy to just sign to the minimum. But, yeah, not, not a ring endorsement for me anyway. Um, moving on to the non-big men, I want to stop for a second and just talk about the uh, incumbents that are technically, you know, that were former Hawks from last season. That's Vince Carter, that's Justin Anderson, and technically Jalen Adams could be brought back. Um, he was waived, but doesn't mean he can't re-sign if the Hawks wanted him. Um Obviously, there's been nothing about Justin Anderson, but we're about to get into the wings, and Anderson's better than a lot of them that are available. I'm not sure he wants to come back, but as someone who was well-liked, if the Hulk, if he just had no other offers um, and wanted to sign for the minimum, I would be all about that. I think Anderson is a great locker room guy that everybody likes, and uh, I think he'd be okay not playing if you just knew that ahead of time. Um, and there are worse options. You know, I'd rather sign Vince the Justin Anderson, because it's, it's kind of the same premise, but Vince is like an all-time locker room guy um, and leader, etc. But it wouldn't bother me if they signed either Vince or Justin Anderson. It's just, I think the, the standoff with Vince, from what I understand, this is this is conjecture, but it's, it's informed conjecture, is that I think Vince wants to play. And I'm not sure he, I think he looks at his roster right now and knows he's probably not going to. So if he has other options, maybe he wants to take another option somewhere. But we're getting into late July now, and Vince might not—he may not have other options. So it's kind of a standoff. Like I think the Hawks want Vince back if he wants to come back, but Vince wants to play, and the Hawks are not going to offer him playing time. They just don't really have it to offer him. It's just—it's—it's it's a weird spot. Um, and we, we've been talking about Vince for three, four, five, six weeks now, but nothing's really changed, like except for the fact that the Hawks have even more bodies in front of him, which makes it tough. Yeah, and it's—it's it's something where once the Jabari Parker thing happened, and they gave him both like not a lot of money, but like, you know, relatively significant money and a second year player option. It was like, okay, like this is a, this is not necessarily just a, a minimum flyer that they're taking no. on Jabari Parker. Like they're, you know, they're investing, you know, real 
real money and real sort of flexibility into him both for this year and next year. So, and they also, I mean, they they also have, they also have other options. I mean, they have Chandler Parsons too, who makes a lot of money, but they might want to play him just to try to try to recoup some of that value. They also have Hunter that can play the four. You have Evan Turner that can play the four. Like they're just not playing time for Vince unless, unless Parker was injured. If Parker's injured, then you just play Vince as a backup, as a backup four again. But you can't guarantee that happens, and like you said, they they gave him real money, and it's a two year investment. Like they're not just going to bail on Jabari Parker; it's just not going to happen. Yeah, they're not going to bail on him for for Vince Carter. They're not going to bail on him even for like a young ish interesting guy. Like they're just going to you know they're going to treat Parker like that young ish interesting guy. Like that's what he you know he's still not super old either. So it's not like he's you know thirty one and they're you know and he's you know can't possibly be on their current timeline like he you know if he were to somehow like really really pop in Atlanta like he could be around you know after this contract you know finishes up whether it's this year or next year so you know I think it's something where they they have a a relatively strong investment in Jabari Parker being that backup four and the really the only backup four minutes that are available only happen if Jabari goes down and still there is Chandler Parsons there's DeAndre Hunter there you know those guys are probably both ahead of of where Vince would be in the rotation maybe Parsons wouldn't be just because you know of who Vince is and what you know, the fact that he's been around but you know you look at you know a guy like Justin Anderson if he signs he's at the very 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 bottom of the barrel in terms of of minutes he would be the you know the 14th guy right now in terms of of getting minutes and that's you know would not bode well for him actually getting to play if that's something that he really wants to to you know, up his value going into free agency the next year. That might, you know, that would make that would not make sense for him as a uh, as a destination. But then again, like if he, you know, we're in, you know we're in late July already. If he runs out of options, maybe he does come back. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, you know, I think a lot of people of all the names that I on this list, Vince is definitely the number one in terms of just most popular discussion topic because of course he was around and he's very famous and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, etc. Um, but you know, he's also better than a lot of these guys are. So that's worth keeping in mind. It's not just signing Vince to be a locker room guy. That's a big part of it. But he can play a little bit. At least he was able to last year. And we'll keep an eye on that in the future. Same with Anderson, just at a different level, obviously. Um, there's sort of this everything, everybody else like catch-all tier that I've written down on my list here. The, we, we can go through some names. Here are a bunch of guys that I think will not sign in Atlanta because they're just either too good or too old to want to sign in Atlanta. Uh, Justin Holiday is available, former Hawks legend. Uh, Sean Livingston, if he does not want to retire, is available. Kyle Korver is not going to be available for very long, I don't think, but he's available technically right now. Amon Shumpert, same sort of thing there. He's going to sign somewhere for sure. Uh, Jonathan Simmons, who was not great last year, but is someone who has been interesting in the past. And then Jamal Crawford, another former Hawk, um, that wouldn't be a great fit, but he, I think, wants to play still. Um, and then another veteran that I absolutely would, would not sign under any, any circumstances is Lance Stevenson. Uh, I am, um, just to be as clear as possible on this, uh, Dwight Howard would be number two on my list of absolutely do not sign guys on this list. Lance would be number one ahead of Dwight Howard. So that kind of tells yeah, you everything I you need to know about that. Fully agree with you there. I would rather have three Dwight Howards on my team than have one Lance Stevenson. I am out on Lance, uh, We'll just stop there. Uh, yeah. So that's all the veterans. Uh, anybody jump, jump up to you that's like even maybe possible? I think if I had to pick one guy that I would think is maybe the most likely, it'd be Jonathan Simmons, but that still doesn't seem likely at all. Yeah, I think Simmons makes the most sense as somebody who might see his market totally fall apart, and and they you know they they pick him up just as a as a you know way 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 insurance option on some of their young wings, and you know as a more of a veteran guy. But he's you know a lot of these guys are either 
already veterans or are, you know, sort of on the cusp of becoming veterans and sort of need to need to, you know, raise their market value more than what they can, what they can do in Atlanta, just because there's not playing time for these guys, these kind of wings in Atlanta, at least at the four, you can sort of squint and be like, well, Jabari's not healthy all the time and neither is Chandler Parsons. So there's, you know, some room for, you know, me perhaps to get in at the, at the backup four spot. But, you know, for a wing like Holiday, Livingston, Corver, Shumpert, Simmons, like these guys are, are mostly just pure wings. And there's just not like there's so many guys ahead of them, so, and in just the organizational pecking order that uh, I wouldn't see, I wouldn't think that any of these guys would uh, would really even consider Atlanta unless they just real uh, unbelievably run out of options. Yep, that's uh, well put, and we can leave that there on the veterans. Um, other guys who are available that might make some more sense that could be at least more available. Uh, my personal favorite is probably Sendarius Thornwell. I really like him defensively. Uh, Ian Clark is not really a wing; he's more of a combo guard type shooter but he's available jared bayless same sort of thing he's an older guy but a combo guard um shooter type tyler dorsey old friend of the program um is available as a free agent uh not i'm not the biggest fan but he is better than some guys on this list um wayne selden who i've always kind of liked and lance thomas who was better a couple years ago but you know has a theoretically interesting skill set um oh by the way one last guy i want to at least mention before uh, a couple of our peace group staffers get mad at me taj mccall um was the two-way uh, start not not two-way but summer league standout for the hawks that i th- i should at least put on the list i would not sign him but i would not be upset if they gave him a two-way contract because i really enjoy his work um anybody else um jump out to you that we've not talked about or anybody that you like on this list you know i don't love anyone if i had to sign one guy off of the everyone else non-big non-point guard list it'd probably be cinderius thornwell but that's not a ring endorsement yeah that's not a you know ring endorsement for me either i think thornwell um you know, of the guys who are more offensively focused, I mean, I guess Tyler Dorsey's the best guy out of that group. Like, he's better than Ian Clark, I think, and he's better than Jared Bayless. He fits the timeline better than Bayless does. You know, I think that, you know, I think Dorsey got more of a chance in Memphis to close the year after they moved him there, and he was not awful. Like, he was actually, you know, serviceable, you know, as a, as a you know, sort of backup shooting guard. So, yeah, he was fine. I didn't, you know, I, I certainly did not expect that, and I certainly thought that he was like, literally on the plane on his way to Greece, basically, once the once the Hawks traded him, because I just didn't think that, that Memphis was even going to keep him around. But, you know, Memphis doesn't have room for him to bring him back. Obviously, you know, they would, I think, if they could, but they just, they already have 17 guys, you know, on their team right now, and only one of them is non-guaranteed. So, like, they've got some, they've got some real decisions to make from their roster point of view. So I don't think Dorsey's going to be back there. They pulled his qualifying offer just because, you know, they, they won't aren't going to bring him back anyway so you know there's no point in really holding on to his restricted rights so i would not balk at them you know bringing back uh you know tyler dorsey i wouldn't balk at them you know signing a guy like thornwell really any of these guys i mean i wouldn't thomas is kind of interesting only because he's big enough to play the four as well so maybe he can come in and sort of think like okay maybe i've got some chance at a backup wing role maybe i've got some chance at the backup four like he's more sort of versatile from that point of view so he might be you know somewhat interesting there but i you know none of these guys are are you know i I don't have ringing endorsements for any of these guys but i think thornwell dorsey and thomas would be my sort of the my uh, my prime targets before you move into the rest of those guys yeah i think i would you know dorsey let's see yeah, it's not it's not crazy. I, I think I'd rather have Wayne Selden than Tyler Dorsey, but that's not a huge distinction either. Um, the moral of the story on all of these guys essentially is no one's going to be 
very sexy right now at this point for agency. And uh, that's the reason why we're doing the podcast now and just getting all the names out there so I don't have to keep talking about players until someone actually signs. Um, but yeah, Thornwell, sure. Selden, sure. Lance Thomas, sure. Dorsey for the minimum, sure. Any of that stuff's fine. I mean, all the guys on these lists that we've named so far, the only players that I would be upset if they signed to a full contract would be Dwight Howard and Lance Stevenson. Every other player, if it's the minimum, I don't really care. Like, it won't bother me. Like even guys that I don't think are very good, like Yab- like Yabusele, I think he's like kind of bad. But if it's a one-year minimum contract, I don't really care. Like it's fine. Yeah, that's really it. I mean, and they don't. That's the two sort of overarching points I think from this podcast are like Dwight Howard and Lance Stevenson should be on every team's like do not sign list. <laughs> Pretty much like those guys are just not like they just should not be in the in in the NBA. And and, and for Howard, it really has way more to do with like he's just not good anymore. And like Lance, from a skill perspective, like probably is good, but just like as a human being, like just should not be in the NBA anymore. Um, And we'll just sort of leave it at that. You guys can Google it if you don't know what I'm talking about Um, from for the wings. I think the sort of the second overarching point from from where the Hawks are right now is like wings and forwards. They already have so many of those that if you want to sign a good one, then that guy's going to want to play, but they don't have space for that guy to play. Like they don't have space in the rotation for that guy to play. So why would that guy come to come to Atlanta unless something unless really just the the market just totally falls apart for him? So, you know, I just don't I think even some of the better guys on this list, like Thornwell, Clark, Dorsey, Selden, like whoever, uh, uh, you know, certainly, obviously, the the better guys like Corver and Shumpert, uh, you know, they they would just the Hawks would be so far down my priority list if I was the agent for those guys that I just I don't think that that's uh, even re- really realistically possible. The point guards and the bigs are l- at least somewhat more possible because you could argue like a lot of these bigs are better than Damian Jones and could beat him out for that that center spot or that you know the Hawks really do need a, a point guard and would play a point guard if they uh, if they signed one so those I think those would be the focus of my search both if I was the Hawks and if I was an agent looking to place a player with the Hawks um, you know another another point guard that I just sort of thought of off the top of my head who hasn't been around the NBA recently is Tony Roten He's around, I know, you know, just from talking to people at Summer League that he's looking for an NBA job um, and is, is trying to come back to to America to play in, in the NBA. He's kind of interesting. He was, you know, part of the Philadelphia process early on, was, you know, in in, in that uh, in that in those Sam Hinkie teams as, as the point guard there. So he's got some skill. I don't know, you know, how well he's been doing in, you know, overseas the last year or two, but uh, he's technically uh, available. Yeah, I uh, I once fell into the Tony Roten trap, and I probably would fall in again. He's a long, talented guard um, who was not very good in the NBA, but it is what it is. Uh, yeah, and, and again, there there are probably names that we had not discussed on this podcast just because I tried to round up as many as I could that were, you know, prominent G League guys or former first round picks or guys who are you know established NBA players. Um, I'm sure I've missed some. Um, including some of the guys who were on the Hawks summer league team. I'm, I'm sure people wanted me to talk about Matt Mooney. Did make the list. Um, but that's probably it, I think, on the podcast, Jeff. We've, this is one of our shorter uh, endeavors between the two of us, but uh, there wasn't really a firm agenda other than just highlighting some guys who are available. I guess I have to ask you who your perfect signing would be, signing or signings would be here if you're the Hawks. Like, if you could just have anybody, any combination on this list within reason, um, does it include Vince? Like, what, what, what would you do if you were just allowed to do whatever you wanted to? 
I think if I was allowed to do literally whatever I wanted to, I would. I suppose I would just go with Jeremy Lin at the minimum, and then yeah, because they, I mean, they, I mean, I can't imagine he signs that, but it's maybe he will. Yeah, but know. like if I get whatever I want, then that sure. includes Jeremy <laughs> that's Lin. True. At the that's true. Uh, <laughs> I should have, have to. I did say within reason. To be fair, I did say within reason, but I understand. Then I guess Trey Burke would be the the point guard. They, I think the point guard is the most important thing, and then I also would think that going into the season with 14 guys is not the end of the world and would be a relatively good use of, of what, what little resources they have left to preserve as much cap space as possible because they can't, they can't sign a guy to a minimum contract right now and go over the cap because they're not over the cap. So they can, any amount that they, you know, we, we sort of talked about this a, a few minutes ago, but any amount that they pay out has to come out of cap space because it's all they have right now. You know, so the, the room exception is technically something they have, but not until they use all of their cap space. So they can't use it yet. So, and you can't use the room exception in trades. You can't combine it with cap space. You can't really do a whole lot with it during the year other than sign players. So, you know, having, leaving as much cap space on the end of their, on the end of their cap sheet as they possibly can would be a good idea just because then they can use that to facilitate trades later on. You know, so if you, if they wanted to go with a point guard, I think Burke or Lynn would be the, the the calls that I would be making. Whether those guys are interested in signing, you know, Lynn probably not. Burke maybe has a little bit more interest there. Uh, and then I think I would leave it alone after that. And, you know, as much as Vince would be a, you know, if they went with Burke and Vince as the, as the 14th and 15th guys, I would not bat an eye. I just think like preserving as much cap space as possible, um, you know, makes, a, makes the most sense for them. Yeah, I think I uh, agree with all of that. I mean, again, I'll never be able, I'll never be able to to escape the uh, accusations of bias about Trey Burke, and that's that's just fine. I do think he Lynn is the best player at the point guard spot. I think Burke is pretty clearly the second best. So if I am being realistic and taking Lynn off the board, I, I would say signing Trey Burke is the best outcome they could possibly have, and then you fill in the rest, either leaving the spot open and maybe 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 trying to find somebody on a two-way contract that you think is interesting. Um, if they want to go the two-way route at point guard, that wouldn't bother me that much. If they were to sign like Walt Lemon or Juwan Evans to a two-way contract, that would not bother me at all. Those guys could conceivably be third point guards in the NBA right now, and that, that'd be fine. And then you'd go out and sign your favorite one of the non-point guard full roster guys, whether it be Vince or Justin Anderson or Sidarius Thornwell or Wayne Selden or whoever you want. Um, so any of that's fine. Um, a point guard is all I ask for. And uh, either either full point guard or two-way point guard is just fine with me. And we'll see what happens in the future. Um, that's going to happen, I think. I'm just not sure when. I mean, last year, Daniel Hamilton didn't sign until like July 27th, I want to say, was the last um, full move that they made. And that was a weird one, by the way. Um, that, that kind of stunned all of us. And the fact that it was a full full guaranteed contract for a guy that did not need a full guaranteed contract. And they, by the way, is he available? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> As we talk, I think Daniel Hamilton uh, is available and uh, Travis Hunt clearly likes him at some point. But uh, yeah, that was, that's when it happened last year. It's when the, when the roster was like technically filled out was not until the end of July. And they could, they could go into August or September. I mean, it wouldn't blow me away. I mean, they don't have to have a 14th guy, as Jeff said earlier, until the season starts or actually after the season starts. So they could take, they could take a long time with this, which is not great for our content purposes. I love if they were to sign somebody like on August 1st, just to extend the content a little bit. But for now they have 13 guys they have one two way. It's Charlie Brown, um, which by the way, having a two way wing could lessen the desire to sign another wing. Just putting that out there. When you already have a bunch of wings, you have your, you have Hunter, you have Reddish, you have Herder, obviously, you have Crab, you have Bembry, you have Parsons-ish, um, and you have Charlie Brown. You don't really need another wing, so that could be another thing that they don't need. Even though you don't, you know, 
I am famously saying that you can't have too many wings, which is still true. But if they were to not sign another wing, I would not be surprised by that at all. So we'll see. Yeah, I think wing is the one position where they really don't need another guy. If they do, then yep. that's fine. But if not, like that would I wouldn't be bothered. If they do, by it them. needs to be somebody that, that does not have to play. Like if you sign a wing as a developmental project, like Charlie Brown, like Charlie Brown's not going to play minutes this year, I don't think, unless something crazy happens. If you're going to sign a wing, make it someone who's young enough to where you're signing them for the future, not the present. Like maybe, maybe try to get a two, uh, maybe try to get one of those two-year non-guaranteed contracts. Something like that. Um, on yeah, like or Thornwell use that. Or I mean, certainly if they can use that cap space to be like, we'll sign you to a three or four year deal and we'll give, you know, even if they wanted to give a bunch hinky of money. Special. In deal, you know, like a hinky special, even on a guy who is, has a couple years in the league, like that would be totally fine. You so know, there is Thornwell, the, come on down on the, on the hinky special. Sign me up. Yeah, with the knowledge that that guy's probably not going to play this year, but give him, you know, a whole bunch of guaranteed money this year because their cap space is just sort of sitting there not doing anything. Like that would be, that would be totally fine as well. There we go. We've, we've run through a number of scenarios. I'm sure none of them are going to happen, um, but that's uh, what happens on this podcast, Jeff. Uh, please plug yourself, my friend, before I let you get out of here. You uh, are not, hopefully not quite as busy as you were two weeks ago, but uh, you were very busy for like a month. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a crazy like three months, really, dating back to the, the beginning of the playoffs with everything that, that happened in the playoffs and then free agency and, and the draft was in between there at some point. I already forgot basically everything that happened in the draft, so there's that. So you can follow me on Twitter at JG Siegel at Early Bird Rights as well. Earlybirdrights.com is your your home for all the, the free agency salary cap stuff that I that I do. I think a lot of people have been really digging that this this offseason. Uh the Hawks, Peachtree Hoops, the Blazers, Blazers Edge, everything else for Dime, uh the basketball writers and Forbes.com. Follow Jeff. I have said this uh even without you in my presence, but early bird rights is absolutely essential. So if you're not following Early Bird Rights, and all of Jeff's work, really, but uh, Early Bird Rights particularly, uh, go ahead and rectify that if you want to learn about salary cap and have the best and quickest and most in-depth cap sheets there are. So check all that stuff out. Jeff is a uh, godsend to me as well on the Hawks side, and we'll uh, be hearing from you playing more, my friend. I know a lot of Hawks fans uh, hate you this time of year, but uh, maybe maybe they'll cool down again in a couple of weeks and when we're talking about the uh, the team, and hopefully they won't yell at me when that when I have you on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, they don't seem – I'm not as uh, homery as as a lot of them would like me to be, but that's just the way it goes. Well, you, you know, don't live I'm here, not, so you don't have to be I don't live, don't here. live here. I did not grow up as a Hawks fan. You used to fan. live here. I lived there for like 11 years, but I did not uh, did not, did not grow up as a Hawks fan, just did not grow up as a, as a fan of any one team. So I try to be as objective as I can about every team, and that sometimes includes saying negative things about – your favorite basketball team and that does not mean that i hate them or it doesn't mean that i think that travis link is a bum he's doing a very 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 good job and that but there are still things that don't make a lot of sense like giving jabari parker 13 million dollars <laughs> in a player option and like, there it is I, where, where did the player option have to like what are you doing but whatever like he's you know but he's still like in the aggregate doing a very good job and so you know do not yell at me because i hate the hawks i think they're doing a very good job Jeff hates the Hawks. You heard it here first. Um, and uh, I appreciate, uh, again, seriously, I appreciate all your work. As everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast. Please check us out at peachtreehoops.com as well. But please rate, review, all that fun stuff via the, pl- the, the platform of your choice on the pod. And uh, we'll be back again next week at some point, I'm sure. I'm not really sure when. We're a little bit uh, looser with the schedule this time of year because there's not much going on. But if there's a move, I'll jump, back, I'll jump in and uh, analyze it. If not, we have some guests lined up for the future. So stay tuned, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.